I want to open up our time together by asking this question. It's up on the screens. The question is this, who is setting the pace that you're running at? We all are running at a certain pace and today as I open up, I wanna suggest ponder for a moment that question of who's setting the pace that each of us are running at. As I open up and unpack that question, I wanna start things off by telling you a little bit about myself and welcome you here. I want to welcome you all to church this morning, whether you're here at our Stafford campus, whether you're watching at online, uh, on the online campus, whether you're watching at Fredericksburg, I wanna take a moment and just welcome you and say thank you for being here. I am excited to be a part of what's taking place here at this church. Just to introduce myself, my name is Marquise Cox. Uh, I'm originally from Los Angeles area, uh, Riverside, California to be more specific. Uh, Then I moved to Atlanta about six years ago, been in Atlanta for the last six years, and then two months ago in this uh, summertime, my wife and I moved to San Antonio, Texas. So now we've been popping all over. We now reside in San Antonio. Like I said, I haven't been doing it by myself. I've been doing it with my amazing, lovely wife. I have a picture of my wife and I. Her name is Crystal. This is me and her. We're celebrating seven years in December. Seven years. Thank you. Excited about that. We met um, on blackpeoplemeet.com, and um, I'm kidding. You can laugh at that. You laugh. Y'all was like, wait, seriously? Yes. No, I'm kidding. We didn't meet there. We met at church, actually. <laughs> uh, my wife and I, Crystal, absolutely uh, amazing. Love her. Uh, and then two years ago, our life changed for the better. Uh, we introduced our baby boy, Denver, into the picture. This is our son, Denver. He is two years old, just as rambunctious as he wants to be. But he's also, man, just, uh, just the life of the party. And then four months ago, our life changed again for the better. We introduced our baby boy. His name is Dallas, and that's him. So we got Denver and Dallas. We've already heard the jokes. We're done, okay? There's no rhyme or reason to the name. We're not going to have Detroit, okay? <laughs> just get the jokes out the way now. Um, but these are baby boys. Absolutely love them. I'm in that stage of, of just... Just wanted to get a full night's rest, okay? People say, you know, the days are long, the years are short, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. It's all long, okay? I'm, I'm here. I took this speaking engagement just to get a full night's rest, okay? But I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Uh, but my wife and I, man, just this past summer, we, we went through so many different changes. Our family went through so many different stages and, and phases in our life, man. We, we sold our home in Atlanta. We rolled off of staff at a, a church that we had been, uh, been at. And so we left a job. We, we sold our home. We had a baby and we moved across the country from Atlanta all the way to Texas. And all of this life change, and we're trying to keep up with everything, and we're trying to make sure everything is good. And I gotta be honest with you, we got to the end of the summer, and we just looked at each other, and we were like, hey, the the pace that we're running at, it's not sustainable for us. It's not sustainable for our family. It's not sustainable for our marriage. Like, the pace that we're going at, it's, it's a lot. This is a lot of life change. As a matter of fact, as we had that conversation, I started to remember uh, this, this, this stuff that I've learned and this, this story that I heard about the Kenyan runner that you all just saw, Elliot Kepchoke. 
And as I learned about him, I, I sat back and watched this dude who was a marathon runner, and he was the first human in history to go under two hours. No one ever had gone under two hours. And he was the first one to do it. And they said, scientists all over the world said that it would take place in the year 2075. And he did it in the year 2019. This brother ran an average pace of 13.6 miles per hour during this marathon. Crazy stuff. And as I sat back and watched this, I was blown away and amazed at the fact that this man was able to do this amazing, amazing feat. And as I sat back and watched it and I was realizing all that was taking place and I'm watching this documentary and I'm watching this dude break this record, running an average pace of 13.6 miles per hour. I'm on the couch eating Zaxby's as I watch it. I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, how is this dude able to do this? Like what, what is going on? And, and I realized as I watched this documentary that Elliot wasn't running by himself. He was running with what the track and field world called pace setters. I actually have a picture of him and his pace setters. I want to show you. This is Elliot along with his pace setters and he had 26 pace setters throughout the entire event, and they would run on and off at different legs of the marathon. And all Elliot had to do was watch his pace setters. They took on the, the headwind. They formed this formation where they would take on most of the headwind, and he would just have to run. And I realized in that moment, I mean, Elliot, the reason why he was able to do this was because of his pace setters. See, he didn't have to look at his watch. He didn't have to figure out how fast he was going. He didn't have to figure out, do I need to slow down? Do I need to pick up? All he had to do was watch the people who set the pace for him. That's all he had to do. As a matter of fact, I, I learned in uh, watching this that these pace setters, they only had two goals. Their goal was to go fast enough for him to reach his goal, but not too fast for him to burn out. And Elliot to run this amazing race, all he did was watch the pace setters in front of him. And as I sat back and watched that, I realized, man, isn't that, man, isn't that same thing true about us in our life? That we have people or we have things that we watch that are setting the pace in our life. Whether we realize it consciously or unconsciously, we are allowing things or people to set the pace in our life. And so I want to ask you, who is that? What is that image that's in your mind that's setting the pace for your life? Because all of us, we're, we're being, we're, we're being deter our, our pace is being determined by something. But here's the thing about uh, running uh, at a particular pace, and this is what my wife and I realized this past summer, running at a particular pace, man, it could, it could leave you exhausted. And if we're watching something or we're watching someone that's, that's running at a pace that's leaving us exhausted, then we know, man, something has got to change. Because we've all run at a pace that's left us, it's left of it, left, left us exhausted. As a matter of fact, as our world begins to open back up and, and we begin to uh, get back to a little sense of normalcy, there's a, a few things that, that, that are, are setting the pace in our life. Here's a short list of the things that may be setting the pace and your life. It could be school, family, work, college applications, social media, news outlets, culture, whatever it may be, 
It's, it's determining how fast you go. And, and the reason I bring this up is because isn't it true that we've all, at some point in our life, man, isn't it true that we've all felt burned out by the pace we've run at? Whether it's from work, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our friendships, we've all been burned out by the pace that we've been running at. As a matter of fact, here's the question that I want us to unpack for the remainder of our time together. The question is simply this. It's up on the screens. Where do you go to catch your breath? If, if it's true that we all get exhausted, if it's true that we all run at a pace that leaves us burnt out, where do you go to catch your breath? And it's different for all of us. We all go somewhere to catch uh, our breath in life, to, to try to get some more uh, vitality, to try to get some more breath and, and wind in ourselves. We all go somewhere to catch our breath. And it's all different for, it's different for all of us. For some of us in the room, we watch the 78th season of The Young and the Restless. You know, like, that could be you. It's Netflix. We're binge-watching shows. It could be relationships, like, like if you're dating Girlfriend, boyfriend, you got you a boo thing, how? You, maybe you run to them to catch your breath. Maybe you run to a friend. Maybe you do exercise. Maybe you, 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 you cling to comfort food. Whatever it may be, we all do something to catch our breath. We all run somewhere. But the reason I bring that up and the reason I want to unpack that for the remainder of our time together is because of this. The, reason, or the, the place that we run to to catch our breath reveals a lot about our hearts. The place we run to to catch our breath reveals a lot about where we place our trust. And I'm not saying what you run to to catch your breath is necessarily wrong or bad, but it, but it could be the place, it could be the place that's leading you down a path that you don't want to go to. As a matter of fact, today I want to talk about a better place for us all to run to to catch our breath. Because if we catch our breath at the wrong place, it could lead to some places or some things that, that we don't want to be involved in. As a matter of fact, the first place that I think catching our breath at the wrong place leads to is this right here. If you're taking notes, it's up on the screen. Catching your breath at the wrong place leads to poor decisions. Catching your breath at the wrong place, it could lead to poor decisions. Here's why. Because when you're just burnt out and you're depleted, it's hard to make the right decision. When, you've just, when you're on empty and you're, you're at the end of the rope and you're trying to make the best decisions for you and your life and your family, it is hard to make good decisions when you feel depleted. And we've all been there where we've, we've been running on, 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 on E and we're trying to make it happen, but we're also trying to make decisions and it's just leading us to making poor decisions. Here's how this plays out. Uh, I recently heard something that made me think of this. I'm, right now, I'm trying to get my college body back, okay? I'm, I'm trying to get the abs back, like I really want them back, and I'm like, I got to do something different, okay? I want, I want that body that I used to have. I have this image in my mind. I'm like, I got to go after it, okay? I'm trying to be like Tay Diggs and how Stella got her groove back, okay? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to look like. Uh, another, let me adjust the cultural meter, David Hasselhoff and Baywatch, okay? That's... <laughs> Let me bring it on home a little bit. Bring it even more closer. I want to be like Andy, the worship leader. The way he's just, he's, that's who I'm trying to be. And so I get this trainer and Jarrell is my trainer and I'm talking to Jarrell and I'm like, Jarrell, he's like, what are your goals? I'm like, bruh, abs, okay, period. I want them, I want the plickety plyow. This is what I want. 
He's like, all right, it's, it's, it's harder. The older you get, it's harder. But here's, here's the deal, Marquise. Abs are made in the kitchen. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, listen, it's all about what you eat. It's all about what you eat. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's hard, but okay, I can do that. Like, like, help me out. He was like, here's the best advice I can give you when it comes to eating. Don't make decisions about what you're going to eat when you're hungry. Make decisions about what you're going to eat before you get hungry. Here's why, Marquise, because when you make decisions, uh, oh, by the time you make the decision of what you're going to eat when you're hungry, you'll reach for what's most convenient and not for what's most wise. Here's why I say that. When we're depleted in our life because of the pace that we've been running at, man, I just wonder how many of us in this room, we've been reaching for what's most convenient and not what's most wise. I wonder if we're just, we're just trying to catch our breath and we're just reaching for the nearest thing. And isn't it true that for some of us in this room, we just, we just was reaching for, for, for this moment to just catch our breath and to get some retreat, and, and it ended up being a situation we didn't want to be involved in. It ended up being something I thought I'd never find myself just like being addicted to. I just wanted to catch my breath, but, but here's the deal. When, when, you're, when you're out of energy and you're depleted, all of us, man, we, we have the tendency to reach for what's most convenient and not what's most wise. The second place that I think catching your breath at the wrong place leads to is this right here. Catching your breath at the wrong place leads to misplaced identity. It can lead to misplaced identity. Here's what I mean by misplaced identity. Uh, for, for some of you in the room, you're type A, and I'll never understand this oxymoronic comment, but you get more rest by the more that you do. It's weird. I, I'll never forget my, my track coach in high school, we, we, we had to, to run laps, and he was like, listen, uh, you guys got to run. Uh, you guys uh, ditched practice yesterday. You all, all got to run. And he was like, I want y'all to run until I throw up. I was like, what? <laughs> You're standing here. He was like, that's the point. And so we're running. We're out there running and running. And he was like, listen, I know you're tired. Rest while you run. I don't know if you know how resting works or how running works. Those don't go together. But for some of us in the room, you, you would say, man, Marquis, the more that I do, the more I feel rested. Like, the, I, I got to get it in. Like, I gotta, I'm checking off the boxes. And, and the reason why I say misplaced identity is because for you, the more boxes you check off, the better you feel about yourself. And the more that you do and the more that you accomplish, the more you feel like this, this is it. This is the, the pace that I need to run at. But, but here's why... If we're not careful, this could be dangerous because when you marry who you are with what you do, you marry your values and your worth to that as well. When you marry who you are with what you do, you marry your worth and your value to that as well. And, and it's never a good idea to marry your worth and your value and connect it to what you do. Your worth and your value comes from who you are in Jesus. And the more we try to, to, to work ourselves of, of checking the box and making sure I'm good and you're like, I got to run at this pace. I got to I gotta do this and I got to exhaust all resources and I got to, you just, you love being on the go. You love looking like, man, I'm busy and I got to just stay busy and you don't sit down. You could find yourself in a place where your identity is found in what you do and not in who you are. And when you have your value and your worth chasing what you do, it always leads down the wrong path. 
The last and final place, and all of us can find ourselves in this, is, is simply this. Catching your breath at the wrong place leads to temporary satisfaction. Man, I can't tell you in my own life how many times I've, I've felt like I, I got to go do this thing to, to catch my breath. And the, the more I do that, the more I realize I got I to gotta keep coming back here. You ever feel like that? Like I, got, I have to keep coming back here to feel like I'm doing good. But it never, it never has that long-lasting, sustaining joy to it. It's always temporary. It, it, it's, never, it's never enough. And I have to continue to run back to that well. And I run to that well to, 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 to fill up this, to quench my thirst and to, to catch my breath. And then I run until I'm empty on, again. And then I have to run to this well. And we run from running to this well to running on empty and running to this well and running on empty. And, and wouldn't you agree that it's left us exhausted? Because I got to keep coming back to this thing. I got to keep coming back to this substance. I have to keep coming back to this relationship to feel it. But here it is. It's temporary satisfaction. And it's not sustaining. Man, whether you find yourself at at a a place of misplaced identity, whether you find yourself in that temporary satisfaction, whether you you find yourself in one of these categories, you, you would agree that it's just not working. And today... What I want to talk about, what I want to lean into is, is the fact that I believe that each and every one of us are hardwired to run to a place that will leave us with sustaining joy, that will leave us with sustaining satisfaction. Not that things are going to be great, but we were all hardwired. What if I told you there was a place that you could run to, to catch your breath, that you never had to worry, man, will this thing Will this thing last? Will will this feeling, will it continue to be here? You'll never have to wonder or worry worry about that again because all of us were hardwired to run to this place. Believers and unbelievers alike, there's a place that I want to show you that I think changes the game. As a matter of fact, this is a promise from Jesus that I want to show you. It's found in the book of Matthew. And before I throw it up on the screen, what I want to tell you is if you, if you hook yourself up to this promise, it has the potential to change your life. And I don't flippantly say just change your life. I'm talking about from experience that this is one of those promises that once I hooked my marriage up to this promise, once I hooked my identity up to this promise, once I hooked my life up to this promise, things changed for the better. This is one of my all-time favorite promises of Jesus that he offers each and every one of us. And tonight, or excuse me, today, I wanna show you what that promise is. It's found in the book of Matthew 11, verse 28. And this is Jesus speaking to the crowd, and Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I wanna pause right here. The the very first verse out the gate, Jesus is saying, come to me. And I don't want to just skim over this. I don't want to just move by this really quickly. I want you to pause and really think about that. Jesus is saying, come to me. I don't know who you are in the room. I don't know what you think about Jesus. But Jesus is not shushing or shooing you away. Jesus is calling you closer. 
Jesus, think about this, Jesus never wants to create distance between him and mankind. Jesus is always trying to close the gap. He's saying, come to me. And I don't know about you, but when I was 16, 17 years old and I just had given my life to Christ, I thought to myself, man, I don't know if Jesus will accept me the way that I am. Like, I, I don't know if, I, I feel like, and maybe you've been here, I gotta create some distance between the last time that I've sinned and the last time that I've messed up, and I gotta get on this good streak, and then when I get to this good streak, then I'll come to church, then I'll come to Jesus, then I'll feel good about praying. And Jesus is saying, the gospel is saying, you were never intended to try to get right before coming to me. Jesus is saying, I've been calling you to myself this entire time. Man, woman, I don't know who you are, but Jesus is pursuing you. He's calling you. He's beckoning you. He's inviting you. Rarely in scripture does Jesus tell someone to go away to find what they need. Jesus' default posture is this. No, no, come. No, no, no. I know you got the junk. I know you're dealing with some stuff. I know you got some baggage. No, I, I didn't say get right, then come. I said come. I didn't say end that thing and, and kick that habit and stop the addiction. I said come. Come with all of the stuff that we're carrying. This is the invitation of the gospel where Jesus is saying, I'm closing the distance between you and me and sin cannot stop this. I want you to come closer. And Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Here's, here's the second thing I want you to see in that, that, that first verse. The only qualifications to come to Jesus, he made the hurdle real high. He said, you got to be tired and you got to be weary. That's it. You, you got to be tired and weary. You got to come to the end of yourself and say, I'm so burdened down I can't do this by myself. I need something else. And Jesus is saying, you qualify. Here's the great news about that. Every last one of us, to some degree, we are tired and burdened down and heavy laden by the world's demands. And Jesus is saying, you qualify to come to me. Believer and unbeliever, you get to come. All you have to be is tired. All you have to be is weary. All you have to be is bogged down. All you have to be is burdened down and you get to come to me. And he says, I will give you rest. That's a promise. All we have to do is come, and for him, all he has to do is give us rest. And we don't have to try to, to, to work this thing out and fight and claw and strive to get rest. Jesus is saying, you just gotta come to me. The second part of this verse, he says this in verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, you'll find rest for your souls. I want to pause right here because I know we don't always speak in these terms. We don't always talk in these terms, but, but Jesus is saying, you're going to find more than just physical rest. You're going to find rest for your soul. And here's how you know your soul needs rest. When you've done everything you can to get rest, and you still feel tired. You've gotten eight hours of sleep. You, you, you've done all, you went and got the mani and petty. You, you, you did everything 
to get rest and feel relaxed and, and you've gone on this retreat. You can do all of those things, but here, here I, I want to let you know, Jesus is saying you'll never find rest for your soul because that comes by way of me. And he says, you can get all the sleep and physical rest that you want, but you cannot get rest for your soul. And here's your soul houses, your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions, and all of those things can be beaten down by life. And Jesus is saying, I want to give your soul rest, not just your body. And that's for all of us, y'all. He finishes it off by saying this. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's, here's what I thought was fascinating about this. Jesus didn't say, come to me and I'll give you rest and you'll have no more burden. No, he said the burden will still be there, but the burden will be lighter. Why? Because you're sharing the burden with the king of the universe. He said, I'm going to take on the bulk of that burden for you. It's going to get lighter because you're going to shoulder it with me and my shoulders don't get tired. And the king of the universe wants to share the thing that you've been carrying and the thing that you will carry in the future. He wants to share that with you. He's saying, listen, I know what happened to you when you were younger. I'm not saying that's going away. I'm not saying the baggage is going to go away. I'm not saying the past is going to go away. I'm saying the burdens of life will be shared with the king of the universe. And there's nothing like that. It's, it's, it's my mind goes through when we used to do group projects in school. And, and there was always that one that made sure we got an A. It wasn't me. <laughs> but we had that group project and they were doing the research and they was making sure everything looked good. Because when we stand before this group, when we stand before the class, we're going to get an A. And all I did was color some stuff and print something out. <laughs> but it was that A plus student that was like, I don't care who's on the team, we going to get an A. Jesus is saying, when you hook your burden up with me, it's going to get lighter. I'm going to shoulder most of it. I'm not saying it's going to go away, but it's going to get lighter. This doesn't mean things are going to be uh, uh, perfect. It doesn't mean life is going to be easy. But what it does mean is that it will be easier because God's sharing it with you. He also says, my yoke is easy. And he had to say this because these were the people he was talking to. They, they came from an agricultural background. And, and here's the, the image they would have thought of in that, in that moment. And the image they would have thought of was, were the two oxen. And we don't really think about this because we don't have, like, farmland and oxen. And Well, I don't know. This is my first time in Stafford. Maybe y'all got oxen running around. But <laughs> where I'm from, we didn't have any oxen. And so what, what Jesus is saying, he, was, he gave them this mental image of, this, this wooden thing that would go around the oxen, oxen's neck, they, they would plow the field together and to ensure that they would get more done together, they would hook them up together and they would hook an older, more experienced oxen to a younger, inexperienced oxen so that the younger could learn from the older. And what Jesus is saying with this mental picture is that when you hook your life up to mine, I'll make sure we get more done. When you hook your life up to me, I'll make sure your marriage goes in the direction that it needs to. I'll make sure the family and the household and your work and your spirit and your soul, I'll make sure you go in the direction you need to go in, but you got to hook yourself up to me. Because the yoke's still going to be there, but this yoke is different from the world's yoke that they give you. 
Because the world's yoke that, that, that the world gives you, it's ill-fitting, ill it's, it's irritable, it's, it leaves you tired, and, and you just don't want anything to do with it. But Jesus is saying, no, my yoke is easy. And when you hook yourself up to me, and you don't hook yourself up to culture, and you don't hook yourself up to news outlets, and you hook yourself up to me first, I'll make sure we go in the right direction. What Jesus is saying in this moment is that I am enough. Jesus is sufficient. Here's one thing I want to show you about this passage. I want to bring it all together. I want to show you this scripture all together, verses 28 through 30 up on the screen. I highlighted, highlighted all, all of the pronouns. Look at that. Jesus is saying, it's me. It's, it's mine. I will give you the rest. My yoke. Learn from me. I will do it. He's saying all that you need is found in me. It's not Jesus plus something else. It's not Jesus plus this thing. It's not Jesus plus this program. It's not Jesus plus this person. It's Jesus plus nothing else. Jesus is saying, I am sufficient. Whether you're in this room or you're watching online, you're watching at our Fredericksburg campus, I want to let you know Jesus is enough. He's enough for everything that's going on in your life. But for each and every one of us to find that, we have to come to him. And we're not going to strive for it. We can't work for it. Jesus said that that's not how it works. And for many of us in this room, we keep trying to work for it. We keep trying to fight for it. And Jesus is saying, you, you can't, what I'm trying to give you, you, you can't earn. The rest that you're trying to get, the, the rest that your soul needs, it's not going to come through working and striving and fighting for it. It's going to come by you coming to me. But for a lot of us in this room, and, and if you're being honest with yourself, you try, to, you, try to, you try to work yourself into it. You're fighting and clawing and you're trying to get right and you're trying to clean yourself up and you're trying to make sure everything's right before coming to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, stop all of that and just come to me. Just, just come to me. It reminds me of this time in middle school. We were in middle school and our life was crazy. We were doing football practice and track practice. We were doing all sorts of things. Our house started to look insane because we were always on the go, never at home trying to uh, clean up the house. Like we just, we never could do it. We were always on the go. And so my mom said, listen, some things have got to change. We're going we're to get us a housekeeper. And we're going to make sure this housekeeper comes every two weeks to make sure that this house is clean. I'm thinking this is going to be the best thing in the world because I grew up watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I'm like, Jeffrey is in the house, right? I'm like, this is gonna be great. They're gonna clean up everything, like bomb, it's gonna be good. It ended up being one of the worst things ever. Here's why. Because Isabella, that was her name, Isabella and her crew would show up every other Saturday at 10 a.m. and clean and clean and clean. But every other Saturday at 7 a.m., my mom was waking us up with blaring gospel music in the background. In my culture, anytime you wake up to gospel music blaring, that means you're getting ready to clean. That's, <laughs> that's what that means. So we'd wake up to this gospel music blaring and we're like, what are you doing? It's 7 a.m. on a Saturday. And she's like, get up. Isabel and her crew was on the way. We gotta clean up. And I'm like, what? We're down there washing base, baseboards. We're like, we're clean and clean, deep clean. We're cleaning the bathtubs. We're like, what? Why are we doing this? This is my mom's favorite line. You ready? Because I don't want them coming up in here 
thinking we nasty. That was it. I don't want them coming up in here thinking we nasty. I'm 12, I'm like, mom, we are nasty. That's, we're disgusting, okay? And so we would clean and clean, and I'll never forget y'all, this one Saturday morning, Isabella, she sat down at the, at the kitchen table and, and she was getting ready to get her money, because at this point, all Isabella had to do was be there 30 minutes, dust, and then leave. She's getting the money, she looks at my mom, and she says, Miss Cox, when are you gonna allow me to do my job? Cleaning is my job. My mom was like, I get it, you're right. I say that though because I wanna echo what Isabella said to my mom and because I believe this is what God is saying to us. When are you gonna let me do my job? No, I know, I know you're trying to get right. I know you're trying to fix yourself and I know you're trying to get everything together, but when? When are you gonna let me do my job? God's job is to shoulder that burden with you. God's job is to help you along the process of, of getting things out the way and dropping things off that aren't good for you. That's God's job, but you keep trying to clean up before God shows up. And God is saying to all of us today, when are you gonna let me do my job? And my prayer, y'all, is that we stop running at this pace that culture gives us and start running at the pace that God wants to give us. Here's the bottom line to this message. The bottom line is simply this. It's up on the screens. The place you run to will always dictate the pace you run at. The place that you run to to find that rest will always dictate the pace that you run at. You, you run to culture, culture dictates your pace. You, you, you run to relationships, you run to boyfriends and girlfriends, they, they set the pace for the relationship. You, you run to, to, to the demands of life and work, then, then the demands of life and work, that's what sets the pace. And tonight, or today, y'all, what I want to say to you is that Jesus wants to set the pace for your life. I just feel led to say this. There's some, there's some marriages in the room that you've been running at a pace that's not sustainable. Jesus wants to set the pace for that marriage. Jesus wants to set the pace for that household. But it's going to take us Watch this, not fighting, striving. It's gonna take us taking Jesus up on his offer to come. To, to take Jesus up on his invitation to come to him to find the rest that our souls so desperately need. We can't look to the world. The world can't give us what we need. Only Jesus can do that and my offer to you is the offer that Jesus gave to all of us. Come. And you will find rest for your souls. We're getting ready to sing a song and it's entitled, Run to the Father. And I'm so glad. It actually happened by, by happenstance. We didn't really schedule this out to sing this, but I'm so glad we did because what this, what this song embodies is a son running to the father that's, that's done, done and worn out by life. A daughter running into the arms of her father because she's done with what life has to offer. As we sing this song here in a moment, I want us to, to allow those words to just wash over us because it's Jesus' invitation to all of us to run to him and lay down our burdens. Let me pray for us.
Father, thank you for this invitation. Thank you for this offer. Thank you for this promise that all we have to do is come to you and we'll find the rest that we so desperately need. Lord, I pray that every single person on the sound of my voice has the boldness and courage to drop the burdens and come to you to find that rest. We pray all these things in your matchless holy name. All of God's people said,